It just seems like you're fighting battles on like every front potentially with crypto PR. Crypto PR is you've got to understand finance. You've also got to understand tech. We've seen the emergence of DAOs. So there's a, another level of on-chain governance that you have to keep up with as well. We've got to keep up with crypto Twitter because that's where all, all the dialogue and, and all the communication is happening. Um, and then, yeah. And we have to track all the tracking sites, which is, you know, as I said, there's the CoinGecko, DeFi Llama, Nansen, um, you know, so all the, the, the data analytics sites. Also keep updated on the community gatherings because that adds that community element, you know, the meetups or, you know, conferences like ETH Denver or like ETHCC, for example, in the Ethereum community. Yeah, I think there's a saying, you know, it, it could take years to build up your um, your brand and, and your reputation, but it could it could take seconds to take it all down. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of Fourth Revolution Capital. Podcast guests and 4RC may have positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Hey everyone, welcome to The Edge Podcast. I'm DeFi Dad from Fourth Revolution Capital. I'm joined here by my co-host from 4RC Nomadic. Today we've got a very unique interview cooked up for you. Uh, this hopefully will be a great resource for crypto startup founders who are seeking guidance on PR, aka public relations. Crypto is filled with highs and lows, and the lows can be insanely dramatic with uh, billions of dollars at risk, uh, sometimes lost in seconds. For teams that are looking to build a brand and create a credible, positive brand versus those that are managing a crisis like a smart contract bug or exploit uh, that could ultimately end their protocol overnight, there are a few experts in the crypto industry who have the crypto native experience to provide PR services. So today we'll be interviewing one of those subject matter experts, Samantha Yap of Yap Global. Nomadic, uh, what are you excited to talk to Samantha about today? Uh, there, there's actually tons of things. Uh, to be honest, like PR has been a bit of a black box for me, and it's something I don't think about very often until we obviously get one of those exploits, hacks, or or some sort of crisis emerges. And I kind of never really thought about who's kind of working and kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes on, on those incidents. So uh, I think I would just love to navigate with Samantha, kind of walk us through one of those incidents and like, uh, you know, what is her expertise that helps guide protocols and founders through those events? Yeah. What's, what's really interesting here and what we're going to talk about is there's a big difference between what we know as PR in other industries and what PR is in crypto. I think per usual, it requires expertise from lots of different uh, industries or sectors in order to be good at it in the crypto space. Whether you're a trader, farmer, analyst, or newbie, you can trade smart with KyberSwap, the OG decentralized exchange and aggregator on 13 chains. Swap at the best rates, farm with real yields, set limit orders, use their proprietary trading and AI tools with the best UX in DeFi, securely and permissionlessly. Get better rates, better opportunities, better alpha, and a better trading experience. Trade smart now at kyberswap.com. Gtrade by Gains Network is a decentralized leveraged trading platform, allowing users to synthetically trade crypto, forex, stocks, and commodities with up to 1,000x leverage. 
G-Trade is live on both Polygon and Arbitrum with over 30 billion in all-time trading volume and nearly 50 million in vault liquidity. The platform has consistently been among the top earning protocols with seven-figure monthly revenue and a net deflationary token. G-Trade has become an on-chain stable for both traders and yield seekers. Check them out at gains.trade or by searching Gains Network on Twitter. The future of Web3 is bright, but crypto startups, DAOs, and on-chain organizations can't scale without tooling to power world-class financial and payment operations. Introducing Utopia, your all-in-one platform to create, execute, and understand your Gnosis-safe transactions. Execute payroll 10x faster through automated payment plans. Coordinate reimbursements and accounts payable through payment requests. Execute multi-sig transactions faster with your global team through signing links. View, label, and categorize all of your safe transactions in one place. Start managing your on-chain payments today by going to utopialabs.com. To get started with gasless payments, message Utopia's co-founder on Twitter at 0xKaito. So before we get started, let's give just a brief bit of background on Samantha. Uh, so she is the founder and CEO of Yap Global, a crypto-focused PR firm. As a former broadcast journalist and producer, Samantha built Yap Global to be the bridge between the very complex cryptocurrency industry and mainstream press. Since establishing Yap Global in 2018, Samantha has grown the team globally with hubs in London, South Africa, and Singapore. Previously, she launched the Yapcast, which is their podcast, and the Context, which is their newsletter. Her current and past clients include a who's who of household brands in the crypto industry, including Lido, ENS Labs, Frax Finance, Gitcoin, and ETH Denver. So on that note, Samantha, welcome to The Edge. We're excited to have you. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks so much for shedding light on an important topic. And, you know, hope that this will be useful for your audience and, and people that need to hear um, how to handle comms behind the scenes. If you've never worked with a PR agency... If you've never managed PR inside of a company, it can sound a little bit intimidating, but like really it's storytelling, right? Like you're this sort of master storyteller. I'll say you're a master storyteller at least. I don't know if you, you're, you're too humble to say it, but you're a master storyteller and you advise other uh, uh, DeFi, Web3, crypto teams how to tell their story. The thing is, is there's a lot that's out of your control. You know, you could be in a bear market. And so telling that story becomes much more challenging and different than during a bull market. And of course, you've got the highs when you launch a token to the lows of having some sort of catastrophic uh, exploit that like brings the protocol to its knees. So before we get started, then maybe we just talk a bit about your background. Uh, I mentioned here that you're a you are a former broadcast journalist and producer. I don't know if there's anything more that you can share about basically what you did before and then what prompted you to start Yap Global. Yeah, sure. So uh, my background is in journalism. I uh, I worked as a journalist in Singapore, a broadcast journalist covering current affairs and you know politics and humanities and so I, I did that for two years and then I, I, I freelanced as a reporter. So storytelling was what I did every day um, and also keeping up with the news is what I did every day 
then I got introduced to crypto in 2017. So that's my, when I entered. Um, and I remember at the start of the year, yeah, Bitcoin was just 3000 and Ethereum, you know, hadn't even hit. Yeah. It was like 150, um, you know, per, per ETH. So it hadn't even grown uh, to, to where we've seen it today. So I was very fascinated about Bitcoin as a peer-to-peer -peer payment system, but also just how this technology could transform money. So that's actually what got me interested in crypto in the first place. And then, yeah, Global actually grew, I would say, accidentally uh, because I saw a need um, for communicators I started going to meetups in I moved to London and I I started attending the Ethereum London meetups and I started seeing all the actually actually I think they're now the OG ETH developers but I was very fascinated by what they were saying but to be honest I didn't fully understand everything they were saying but I knew that they were building something good so I approached uh one of them and I I looked at their website so this was a Swiss crypto brokerage firm and I was like you have a really great you know, you're building something great here, but your blog isn't, um, you could do better with your blog. And so that's when I started, you know, yeah, providing them with support, with telling their story in a better way or in a way that's easy for um, their target audience to understand. So yes, um, that's a bit about my background and how Yap Global started. But back to what you were saying about, um, yeah, PR, because for some people that could be quite an intimidating term. A good way to look at PR is, is actually about your just just your uh, presence, um, your uh, perception um, with people, just your image. So be you know in addition to storytelling, that's how you get there through good, effective storytelling. But ultimately, yeah, it's about maintaining you know your trust and credibility. We like to throw that word around, but it's it's trust for your brand. Um, your image and also credibility to ensure that you know you you're you're putting your best foot forward and and people are able to um, know that they can trust your product or trust your brand or trust you as an individual. So that's what I would say PR is about. Uh, I love that origin story too. It it parallels mine uh, very closely. I would say so. Similar cohort, 2017. I, wait, I didn't realize that. So we're all 2017 cohort, and really, you guys seem like you're 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 more OGs. <laughs> well, I think like that's like six years now. Yeah, that that's that's six years ago now, which is wild. Time time flies. We pride ourselves on building trust and credibility behind <laughs> our names. You know, you, you could say we, we're a bit of uh, PR experts ourselves. You know, <laughs> there you go. But there you go because. And, and I think you, you do build that trust and credibility because you can actually, when you look back on, because, you know, yeah, DeFi Dad, I've been following kind of your podcast since you launched it in the early days. But, you know, you were you're, you were early in finding the right projects. And uh, and I trust that, you know, what you are putting out is, is, is coming from a credible source. So well, I appreciate that. It might, Samantha, it might be you, my mother. <laughs> And maybe like 50 other people that are maybe maybe a nomadic here listen to a few of those podcasts. But to be honest, like the first time I, I ever entered a liquidity pool, it was after watching a DeFi dad tutorial. So he 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 taught me how to uh, degen into my first uh, LP. So, uh, yeah, I think it'd be great if, Samantha, you could give us a kind of a holistic overview of what kind of services you provide at Yap Global. 
Yeah, so we are currently, we, we, we mainly spe- specialize in strategic communications. Um, however, we are also supporting teams now with um, a bit of marketing and social media. But the main bulk of our work is public relations and communications and the strategy behind that. So that's where the, the real storytelling comes in. Um, and so what we do is we provide strategic counsel on a daily basis and a lot of PR is also, you know, thinking about what you need to say in the current climate that you're in. So we are talking at a time where, um, you know, the Silicon Valley Bank is, you know, there's a collapse of that. And then that's led to a domino effect of other banks being affected. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. So for for example, maybe our clients that are in the um, trading and market making, you know, side of things in crypto people want to look for experts to comment on okay what does this mean for crypto what are the implications for crypto so that's you know we we provided counsel to our clients there to go okay um bloomberg or uh, a journalist from financial times would like to know what this means and it, it it's good to maybe build a um a maybe share something factual but also maybe encouraging or reassuring for the market if if it's going to go well so that that's what we we provide because sometimes in in moments of crises and 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 turbulence and even this year we're in the middle of a bear market people want a bit of reassurance or even just to understand what's going on to get some direction um you know and, and we'll touch more into like even hacks like people just want to know that they're going to be okay or their funds are going to be okay. And so it's always important that in, in moments of crises as well and in moments where the market is very volatile or even right now in the bear market, people are constantly looking for direction. So they want to hear from experts and especially with, um, you know, we mainly specialize in crypto clients, but I think our, our, our crypto clients are experts on the industry and so the media also do look to them to go all right well what are you guys seeing what do you think is going to happen what should people you know feel or think or do with regards to crypto so again it comes down to that like trust element it's all about trust and, and the perceptions um of where you are uh samantha maybe then we should level set with how do you think about the difference between PR in other industries versus PR in crypto? Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, my background as a journalist before getting all, uh, well, before getting really interested in, in Bitcoin and, and what it could do for the future of money, um, I actually didn't have a financial background. I didn't have a financial background and I also didn't have a tech background. But when you know, you enter crypto and I think you guys are on this journey with me because we started at the same time. It's It was like a explosion of, oh my gosh, I have to understand the 101 of finance, the basics of finance. I'm, I'm still constantly reading up about finance even, even right now. And then also with technology is understanding how tech works. Um, even right now, uh, as we speak, there's you know, there's different infrastructure tooling happening that's laying the foundations for applications to be built on crypto. So crypto PR is, it's, you've got to understand finance. You've also got to understand tech. And then in addition to that, there's another layer where, you know, we've, we've seen the emergence of DAOs. So there's another level of 
on-chain governance that you have to keep up with as well. So uh, I, I like to use this analogy or this example. Facebook and Amazon, when they when they um, you know grew, they didn't have a community of token holders that they, that they needed to communicate to. Yes, they would have had shareholders, but it wasn't public. But now with DAOs that are growing and have you know grown these tre uh, large treasuries, they they have to not just think about comms externally, but they have to think about comms internally to their um, to their um, token holders. And it's all transparent. It's all for the world to see. And that's uh, quite daunting. So there's, yeah, many aspects to crypto. And, and um, an another thing that um, crypto PR people compared to more mainstream or, or, or general PR, PR pros have to do is we don't have to, we don't just have to keep up with um you know the market and 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 you know the prices we've got to keep up with crypto twitter because that's where all, all the dialogue and and all the communication is happening um and then yeah and we have to track all the tracking sites which is you know as i said there's the coin gecko defi llama nansen um you know so all the, the the data analytics sites um that you could track and then you've got to also keep updated on the community gatherings because that adds that community element, you know, the meetups or um, and, and the conferences. So that adds another layer of, okay, um, you know, news and talks happen at, you know, conferences like ETH Denver or like ETH CC, for example, in the Ethereum community. And now you're you're seeing other conferences emerge for different ecosystems like Near or um, you know, even Web3 conferences and gaming conferences, like, you know, I know that Axie Infinity held one last year. So there's a lot to keep up with in crypto PR. So yeah, that's wild. After just kind of listening to all that, it, it just seems like you're fighting battles on like every front potentially with crypto PR. And, and the thing that I like think of now, like kind of a realization as you're talking to is just, you touched on the social media aspect but I, I see this day in and day out, how quickly public perception now changes due to um, the, this emergence of social media, like, which is in every fabric of our life now. And I, I feel like, you know, somebody can get canceled in seconds, minutes. Um, a protocol can actually just go right off a cliff in under an hour if things aren't handled appropriately. Like, if that kind of like mind virus spreads like, oh, this is bad. So we should all think it's bad now. Um, can you just like touch in like any more about how pivotal, like staying on top of social media comms is? It's just, it just seems like wild to me. Yeah. Communications. This, yeah, this is the strategy side. So when you say social media, I think, yeah, actually Twitter is maybe the first place people put their statements and then make sure they issue a blog post, but it will usually break on Twitter. Right. So comms is absolutely important and yeah i think there's a saying you know it, it could take years to build up your um your brand and, and your reputation but it could it could take seconds to take it all down so um in, in terms of, of advice for for founders and projects it's interesting because um you know over the last two years even from when DeFi summer kind of exploded to um, to where we are now, because last year there was heaps of crises and hacks. Um, we we would get contacted by projects and founders after, like when they need to deal with crisis comms. But by then it's too late. 
So it's too late. You've got to have a crisis comms plan before that. But the interesting thing, and I think, yeah, founders might not know this and not be prepared is, yeah, it's an, after, it's an afterthought. When things are going well, it's like, why, why should you think of anything going wrong? But it's kind of part of maybe even risk management, having a, having a plan for when things don't go well. Because, yeah, once the project reaches, a project reaches out to us, it's like, well, sorry, we, we really can't help you. And, you know, we don't want to be cleaning up, uh, you know, reputations. We want to be with you. And yes, if something happens, we would have a plan. We would be around. We, we call in, you know, if say there was a huge crisis or one of our clients got hacked, it, it would be, there would be all hands emergency meeting. There would be a statement being drafted, put out. And we can touch on the details a little bit more, but um, communications and public relations and your reputation is actually really important. And you've got to make plans and be prepared if something wrong happens to make sure you maintain your reputation because you've worked so hard for the last few years to build it up, right? So I think it's something that maybe some founders think it's an afterthought. When we all got into crypto in 2017, this was especially devalued. At the time, it was a, a you know, the crypto was a world that was, you know, dominated and still is dominated by the personalities of founders. There were, you know, the, the crypto influencers that, you know, play a hand in all of this, but you didn't hear much about marketing, business development type folks. And I think that after DeFi summer, especially, we saw this like real uh, emergence of those sorts of roles becoming more common. And I think you've made the point that when things are good, it's not a time to let your guard down. You know, just like if you're, if you're a developer, you should obviously always be concerned about the uh, potential for an exploit. And that's probably why the future is like some real-time monitoring of of potential exploits happening in code like that versus the way that we kind of do it today. Similarly, with PR, it's something that that should be thought about at all times. And, you know, if your budget's big enough and you've grown a team, uh, you know, this is a role that I think deserves that full-time uh, attention. Samantha, then, in terms of PR, we're, we're talking through, we're starting to talk through some examples here of like real-life teams and um, newsworthy events. Do you have a framework in mind that you could share, like something high-level that could be applied to, you know, any crypto team or startup uh, in terms of PR? Yeah, I do. So, because I've seen a lot and I've seen... Um... We've worked with a lot. So yeah, as, as I said, sometimes PR and comms and marketing can be an afterthought because, you know, the tech is the most important thing that takes the most time. So a lot of teams that they want to, I mean, they work to build their product and then they, they've got the test net and then the main net launch. And so all all of the, the focus of perhaps maybe on the founders and even the CTO is on building, building the tech, hiring for that. But I think concurrently, I do recommend uh, founders should think about hiring a marketing and a comms person. So the difference between marketing is uh, and comms and PR is, so you need someone on the broader strategy side to ensure that you know the branding on the website is aligned with the messaging when you're communicating to, to the media. 
Uh, so that's what the PR and comms person would do. And then marketing would be, you know, everything from events to social media to, um, yeah, being present at conferences and, and even if you want to spend on sponsorships. So that's what um, on the, you know, marketing side. So I do recommend that teams hire those two people first before they engage a PR agency. So if you have a marketing manager, actually, that's enough to engage a PR agency. Uh, but just we recommend that there should be someone in between us and a um, and the founder. Um, not not because we I mean we we love talking to founders and some some founders still uh, still join our PR calls, which make um, the the communications more effective. But there should be a li- liaison because what we we know that founders are super busy. I mean they. They raise money. They need to talk to the investors. They need to uh, manage the teams, and they they've got to also be the figure. So there should be, um, yeah, a marketing manager or a a, a comms manager in between. Um, and yeah, I think that's a recommendation for that because uh, that that's often a, an afterthought. And the other challenges, and I'm I'm speaking for that as I just communicate. I just shared how complicated uh, crypto PR and PR and comms is, let alone marketing, um, it's often hard to find the talent, even for us. So uh, that, that, that will take a bit of time. So that's something that we recommend kicking off. But it is very important to building your brand and building recognition. Uh, Samantha, let's use a real life example then. Uh, Euler Finance was recently exploited for a majority of the the value that was in there, smart contracts. I, I want to say it was close to like two hundred million, just depending on like how you price it uh, based on the market prices that day. How would you approach the crisis that they've been under, and and maybe you can give some analysis of what they've done well versus things they could have done better. As I said before, when a crisis hits, social media, Twitter is a very important platform for you to communicate what's, you know, what's going on to your users and to your followers. Uh, I, I did see that in the, you know, Peck Shield, the security, uh, data security uh, company, the blockchain data security company, they flagged the transaction first. Um, and I did see a retweet of that. But what would have been um, better is if, um, you know, the oil, from the Euler account, there was a statement that outlined, you know, and just alerted and uh, alerted their users that, hey, we've just discovered that there's been a, you know, vulnerability or a hack. And um, this is what we're looking at. And um, we are looking into this. And I would also, in addition to, to adding that you're looking into this, is also add maybe an action for the users. You know, sometimes in a hack and exploits, and we've seen, I've seen a few over the last two years, but it is, so you know, users want to know, okay, what should I do? Is it, you know, um, to um, take your money out or to uh, block block any other transactions or, you know, what's the action here? Um, you know, if, if say a pro- protocol got hacked, it's like, oh, hey, you know, take your deposits out. People just want an action um, or, or want, want instruction on what to do and then uh, maybe a line of reassurance. So that's what I would have recommended. Um, I know they're handling it the best they can. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about their comms team. Um, but I also I also checked their website because it's been, um, I think from when it happened, it's been 
the weekend, usually uh, teams would would issue a blog post outlining the details, like everything that's been going on, just to just to be transparent and to share um, what's going on. And I don't see one, um, but this is just at the time of us speaking. Um, I mean, if we're going to draw a parallel as well to, I mean, I don't want to take away from Boiler, but the, um, even we're talking at a time where uh, UBS has just acquired Credit Suisse. Actually, we just go on UBS um, website and Credit Suisse website, they have press releases with all the details. So that, you know, that's run at a large bank corporate level, but that's, that's what, uh, you know, team should do. In a situation, I, like I think this. what you're hitting on is you have to assume that people are not going to help themselves, that they are busy, they have short attention spans, and you have to put out that information in the most digestible format in as many places as possible. Honestly, that's part of how I have personally operated in terms of making DeFi content. My assumption is that no one gives a shit about me. No one is going to like go out of their way to find or discover or learn about things that I put out. And so I have to put out podcast format, tutorials. I have to find ways to go to other podcasts to get the word out about this is what DeFi is and why you should learn about it. This is part of the reason when we record an Edge podcast, we make 60 second clips we do everything possible to make it fun, easy, and of course, interesting to like absorb that information, you know, whether it's putting emojis all over it and text and captions and things like that. And so anyways, those, those lessons have to be applied to your PR strategy. What, what, whether you're again in good times or bad times, like just assume no one gives a shit about you. So you better, you better work really hard to get their attention. Yes. That's really the trick. Yeah. That, that is the trick because, and it's also reiterating it over and over again. I think, um, more tweets, the better actually the, or the more, um, more messages and more times you're, uh, you're repeating yourself. Yeah. And I think that's another thing. I think, um, sometimes teams and founders think, oh yeah, but we've already put out an explainer about this, but people are busy and the space is noisy. There are so many other projects and so many different pockets of the sector to pay attention to. You've got to make it. Yeah. So easy for yeah, you're, 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 again, who you're, who you're after. If you want to talk to other projects or other users or, um, you know, VCs or investors, you've got to make it easy for them to understand. Uh, but back to, you know, yeah, the, the um, say in a situation of a hack or a crisis, you, yeah, you also have to assume that your users, they're busy. I mean, it's not like everyone is paying attention to, I think, yeah, projects assume that, um, some of their users pay attention and sit on their protocol 24-7. But no, I mean, naturally founders will for their own projects, but, you know, users have other, I mean, they have diverse portfolios of other DeFi assets as well to, to pay attention to, um, let alone they also have their jobs. So yeah, you have to also assume that they're not going to know or keep track of what's happening. Hey, Samantha, I want to ask you about uh, a pretty large public blow up that I think anybody in crypto couldn't have missed. And it was the implosion of FTX. But 
I kind of want to get your take on how you would have managed a VC that was so public and, you know, led a lot of those rounds, uh, such as let, let's use Sequoia, for example. Um, I feel like they kind of came out of that pretty battered and bruised. And what would you have done differently or, or, or can you provide any commentary on that? Yeah. So I guess the, so I guess that the, the questions that everyone's asking now post, you know, FTX collapse is whether, uh, VCs had done the due diligence. Um, the, I think in, in this case, there were a lot of big brand name VCs that, um, and, and even sovereign wealth funds, if I might say, um, that also got in on deals. So in one sense, everyone's in the same boat. So, it, you know, yeah, SBF and FTX really fooled everyone. Um, but uh, yeah, I think in terms of communicating, what I know is a lot of VCs, they, they, they did put statements writing down the value of their investments. But the way they communicate that is, yeah, I guess acknowledgement is always important in a statement to go, hey, you know, if you messed up or if you made a mistake or yeah, you let your, your, you know, LPs down, acknowledge it, you know, that's, this is the platform to do that. Um, and then, you know, yeah, share details on what really happened and, um, and then also just, just share lessons that you can take away and what they could do to change. Cause that's, that's really life, right? Like people make mistakes, um, and it's but it's acknowledging it um and not trying to hide anything from from your you know yeah lps or your partners or uh the public so um i mean i think so if sequoia took a bad hit i think everyone else did as well um but you know for the maybe in a special case for each um vc it just depends on also how much they invested in FTX and how much they lost compared to the other investments they had. So I think also reporting all that, you know, the the balance of yeah, where their holdings are matters as well. I think it's crazy how bad a lot of the VCs and I'll say like notable angel investors are at PR in this space. They they tend to do well for a time, you know, they rise to become the hero and then any of them ultimately become the villain at some point. And I don't think it's undeserved too. I think that it, we tend to eventually see a revealing of like someone's true character. Now, in the case of like a Sequoia, this example, I'm not suggesting that anyone there is like a bad person and that they like intentionally invested in a fraudulent founder. SBF fooled everyone. But there is something to be said about coming to grips with just admitting, you know, you screwed up uh, publicly, trying to like take some lesson from that. There's like a humbleness to it. And that humbleness is sort of juxtaposed with, I want to say a confidence, borderline arrogance that's demanded of investors in this space where you're at the bleeding edge of a technology that a lot of folks don't believe in. Some even think that it's just straight up a scam. And so you're you're fighting to be relevant. You're fighting to to make others believe in this future that you're investing in. And so yeah, I, I personally have at times struggled with 
why our space doesn't do a better job with PR in terms of these, these opportunities around crises, but that sort of weakness I'm calling out might be a strength. Uh, for me personally, it's definitely in, in my personality to just say, Hey, I screwed up. I was wrong. Uh, and, and like move on from it and learn something from it. But yeah, I've, I've, uh, I, I thought for what it's worth, I, I thought Sequoia just really didn't do themselves any favors, but at the same time, they've got this enormous fun. They've got all the backing in the world and I'm sure they're not going to struggle, you know, to continue to raise money and invest and in, and do well in the space. Well, if we're going to, yeah, talk more specifically about the crypto industry as well in terms of, yeah, how to main, again, it's about maintaining your reputation, but, and also, yeah, comms and public relations also very personal. Like, yeah, people can tell the true colors of someone eventually. Um, and, you know, as much as you want a, your PR firm and you want your comms team to uh, paint you a strong image, uh, it, it will show through. So I guess, yeah, again, it comes with, you know, how productive is, you know, the work you're doing and, you know, how much value you're bringing to the industry that matters. Um, in terms of the, yeah, you know, maintaining reputation and also like admitting if, uh, yeah, if you've made a mistake and, and show and demonstrate that you've taken lessons and actions to uh, do better. I think that matters too. So it's not just like putting out a statement and apologizing and going, hey, um, sorry, I messed up. But it's like, okay, but here's what we're going to do next. And also communicating that, I think people will have a bit more mercy for your product and your brand. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting because I mean, we're PR and uh, I guess you could say I'm also in the business of building up egos, <laughs> but I don't want to say that. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, yeah, everyone, everyone has an ego uh, and everyone, uh, you know, VCs, um, even founders. Uh, but again, I think it's also being comms and PR is also about being authentic in um, your approach. And yeah, I think uh, the audience and the media are also, they can easily sniff out whether, you know, you're doing something for uh, financial gain, like just financial gain, or are you genuinely building this technology and this protocol or this project because you want to see this grow? So it's just how do you yeah portray that authenticity and um, also communicate what you're doing. With over 170 million TVL cross-chain, the multi-chain liquid staking protocol Stator Labs is just about to launch the ETH liquid staking token ETHX. ETHX will give you the best of decentralized staking and DeFi yields. What's more is that anyone can permissionlessly run an ETHX node with just a 4 ETH bond. To get more alpha on the ETHX launch, go to staterlabs.com slash ethereum. With over 60,000 subscribers and 450 integrations, Push Protocol, the leader in Web3 communications, just launched Push Group Chat. While Push Chat already enables secure and private wallet-to-wallet -wallet messaging between any wallet addresses, the new Push Group Chat allows anyone to permissionlessly create groups, share files, and collaborate with communities natively on Web3. Try it now at app.push.org. Samantha, you started to talk about like obviously that there there are egos that uh, are like a really common trait in in the founders that you know are in this space. Actually, founders in general, you have to have an ego to want to build something that others 
everyone yeah, don't believe in or everyone. know about yet. Yeah. Uh, but from a PR perspective, then, what are some of the common mistakes that you see uh, crypto founders making? What are what are some of those that uh, would be like red flags uh, to potentially avoid? Yeah, I guess I can share candidly. So um, I think when when we when we talk to projects um, before they engage us and we kind of ask what their wish list is and they want to get on uh, Forbes or they want to get on like, you know, Wall Street Journal or Financial Times, uh, it is a red flag for us because we're like, okay, you know, and you know, you've just raised a series A or you've just raised a seed round. Why do you want to get a Wall Street Journal? You know, um, actually, if you, you know, right now to get a Wall Street Journal, it'll be a negative story about crypto. It'll be something investigative or it would be, you know, you wouldn't be put in a good light because, you know, you have to also read the market and read where we're at right now. So actually, if, I, you know, I would, I would to advise for any projects who are maybe trying to stay away from, you know, regulatory spotlight or um, stay away from any negative sentiment, you don't want to get on Financial Times or Wall Street Journal right now. So that's a red flag, you know, aiming, aiming too high on the publications. Um, what, what we would advise is ensuring that. So another thing, another red flag, I would say is, or not red flag, but something that we've seen founders make is patience. Um, PR actually is a long game. So PR is different to marketing where in a sense where with marketing, you can actually see the direct results if you want to, you know, get numbers, you want growth, you want social media, um, you know, shares and um, or you want an event, you can actually see that tangibly. But PR is all about, you know, your strategy, your long term strategy of like how you want to build that trust over a year. As I said, it takes years to build up trust and 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 credibility and, and your reputation. Um, it also takes time to build relationships with journalists to make sure that journalists, you know, know who you are. They talk to so many different projects and founders and interview many different people every day. So they're not going to think about you 24-7, but it's just constantly reminding them that you're present anytime, you know, they're looking for market commentary or they they need an expert to tell us, you know, where the, where the market is right now. So it takes time to build relationships. So yeah, uh, red flags, you know, un un unrealistic goals. And also um, lack of patience or understanding about what PR can do for you. And yeah, I think also, um, I think back to what I was saying, you know, people are gunning for growth. When things go really well, they just want to grow and add on. But you've got to think about also maintaining your reputation. So making sure that, yeah, you've got a call, crisis comms um, plan in place. And I think... Yeah, DeFi Dad, you had a good example about, you know, even when you're, you know, when you're coding your developers, they still have to make sure you, you're also kind of checking your code constantly. And so I think another mistake is, yeah, just not realizing that you've got to upkeep your current, you know, comms plan and, and strategy and messaging. I almost like want to talk a bit about avoiding drama, just like running from uh, um, attention-seeking types of events. Th this is something that, I don't know if this is like some secret sauce to, and this is, I'll probably get burned now that I'm actually like saying this out loud and, and get caught up in, in some sort of scandal. But I have personally done everything to avoid and run away 
from like major conflict in this space, whether it's personal or with teams. Uh, I, I avoid drama when I see it. I don't feel, uh, prompted to comment on it, which is not what I think is the most common approach in the crypto space. I think people see conflict, they see drama and they run at it like a, like a house on fire to comment and, and, and share what they think of what's going on. Um, I, I tend to do a bit of the opposite. Is is that advice that you ever give to clients you work with? Like, is there a strategy there to just staying away from the big news events, building quietly, thinking about this as like a marathon, you know, where, again, we're looking to build trust and credibility over the long term versus a very short term? Yeah. Um, yes, we do advise our clients because, um, you know, some, you know, one of the things we do when we onboard a client is we do a competitor analysis. And it can get quite tempting, actually, sometimes. I mean, everyone cares about their competitors. And whenever the competitors do something, it does elicit this like emotion like, oh, look, they've done that. Should we do that too? But then, you know, you don't want to chase out like you've got you're building your thing and you're I mean, you're everyone should stay in their lane in one sense um, and, and, and just continue building what 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 they're doing um, in terms of the the drama and the conflict, it depends. It depends on whether it's productive and sustainable. And if it's not, and it's, if it's a waste of time, then yeah, don't. Um, but if say, you know, there, if, if a project has been put in a position where it does need to comment on the differences of, um, you know, their, their product offering, then there is a way to do that subtly. And in a, in a, you know, in a professional and a, um, again, a productive way. But I, yeah, I think for you, for example, staying more neutral um, and also focusing on the long-term growth is, is, is the, the best approach because yes, um, drama, conflict, yes, that gets attention, but it's a short-term attention grab. Uh, but, you know, you've, you've spent years building up your brand and, and the credibility of of this podcast and and your profile and you don't want to don't waste it on a conflict or a drama or anything if you know if it's not productive and and um yeah so basically that's that's my recommendation um yeah i think that's that's it i think yeah again on on the competitor front with our with our clients who maybe sometimes want to comment um there's a way we do it subtly actually so um, I can share a, a few more secrets. So what we do is we media monitor for our clients, but we also media monitor for our clients' competitors. So um, if their competitor maybe has put out an offering and maybe beat our client to it, uh, what we'll do is we might, we might approach that journalist and go, hey, I know you just recently wrote a story about you know this uh, market maker, but like have you seen what these guys are doing and kind of insert them in. So you can actually use your agency like us behind the scenes to insert, um, you know, our, you know, your story or your, your um, message in. So I think that's a good subtle way to do it. And, and it's fair because journalists, they're not going to write about, you know, one company every single week. They want to have a variety, right? There's, for example, there's many L2s out there. And so for a journalist, maybe at Coindesk, that's covering the ecosystem or L2B, they want to they want to cover a few, right? So it's just about how you get your your name in, and actually PR is a good subtle way to perhaps 
not saying address drama, but maybe share your voice or share your view of what's going on or even just, yeah, get your message and word out there. And I, and yeah, it's, it's interesting because I know it's, it's, it's a race, like not a race, but it is a race for attention, but you know, you could be, you could be building your, I don't know, stablecoin project or yeah, your L2 and, and then you see your competitor, like get all this press because they've just shipped something and it can get a bit distracting because it'd be like, oh, like we're building that. Um, but again, it's all about, you know, encouraging people to stay in their lane and, um, and there's a way to subtly get your, um, you know, time to shine when you're ready to ship your product too. So liquid staking is something that's been really top of mind for Nomadic and me. We, we got to interview Rocket Pool not too long ago. Uh, you work with Lido, which is undeniably the industry leader right now in terms of ETH liquid staking and and also actually, I guess, generally across multi-chain staking uh, without, of course, sharing anything confidential. Any lessons to offer up in in that space about like how do you stand out in liquid staking when it's so important that they, of course, don't um, uh, ultimately get exploited or you know, somehow compromise the the security of their protocol, which is controlling uh, an enormous amount of ETH. Uh, so anyways, yeah, how do you think about PR in the liquid staking space? So yeah, without sharing too many details, but you know, when you're working with the, um, you know, the industry leader, um, I think, again, it boils down to the technology and the mission and the vision behind the um, project. So it's important to um, push that forward because ultimately, um, you know, it's, you know, why is e-staking so important? Um, why is that, you know, and then sharing more transparently about what um, the team is actually doing and, and what they're driving and, and getting, you know, relevant spokespeople out to share about what they're building. That's the most important thing because, yeah, when you're working with a leader, they're, they're the pioneers. They're pioneering um, this, you know, uh, industry in this field. So, um, I think again, a recommendation on, on building trust and credibility is always stay on, you know, stay on the course of your mission and, and your, and your vision for, for, for the business and the, and the company or the, the protocol. So, um, that's what I would say, um, that that's a recommendation. Um, I just, yeah, just try to think, a lot of what we're doing and even what you're doing as well is we're actually advocating for the industry. So there's, I think the, there's a lot of, um, it's tempting to maybe, um, debate amongst each other and maybe, you know, there's the crypto, as you said, maybe drama, but maybe infighting that isn't actually very productive for the industry. So it's important to remind everyone why we're here. We're trying to bring, um, crypto uh, to mainstream adoption. We want more people to adopt crypto. We want, you know, like Lido, for example, wants more people to, um, you know, get into e-staking or, or stake their ETH. And so that's the mission. And um, all the, the content and the messaging that should come out of that should be, you know, educational, informative. Um, and, you know, if there's a new product, that, for example, like Lido recently launched their their V2, um, then it should focus on that. Uh, and I think 
we have to remember that we are here working to advocate for crypto. And if we're gonna we're if we're gonna talk about PR right now, it, for the whole entire industry, crypto has taken a huge hit. <laughs> you know, the Terra collapse, the FTX collapse, everything that's happened over the last year um, has really hit on the the stigma and and crypto's reputation. So we have to remember that we're all here working together to inform, continue to inform, educate, um, and share more about the technology and what why it's so important and also why it's so um foundational to the future of money um because even right now when we're we're, we're also sitting in a time where there's been multiple bank runs so this is one of the largest you know traditional financial crashes or collapses um or crises sorry i would say uh, since 2008 so yeah the future of money is at stake Crypto's reputation is also at stake, and so that's a that's a yeah something to to remind everyone about. Um, yeah, that's what I would say to that. Hope that answers Absol your question. No, absolutely. And and I've got one more example for us to apply your your PR expertise uh, before we wrap up. Uh, recently, the very famous former CTO of Coinbase, and God forgive me, I'll never be able to pronounce his name correctly, but I always say Bology or Bology. For, forgive me, sir, if you hear me mispronounce your name in the future. Uh, he made a very bold public bet, uh, and it started, I believe, on Twitter. And you know, he's been talking about it on podcasts and Twitter Spaces. He made a bet that uh, we would enter hyperinflation to the degree that Bitcoin would be worth one million dollars in uh, ninety days. Uh, and he's made like a public bet as in like he's put up the money, I think, in poly market. So the, the money's there in like a smart contract. Uh, and, and that number, of course, has people just like losing their minds. You know, first, it, it's a it's a very it's like a price target that a lot of people in the crypto space would love to see happen. But the idea someone put up a million dollars, even though he's worth one point five billion and it's equivalent to him like basically buying a cocktail, putting up a million dollars is like nothing to him. I'm curious, do you think of this as a PR stunt? Uh, what do you think of it in general? Like, it, it, because it, I think it, it demonstrates the virality of being in the crypto space and it, it sort of touches on a lot of the things we've talked today uh, in terms of PR in crypto. Yeah, actually, I like to... Um turn to the four sorry to the seven uh, news values or what makes news or what grabs attention so um we talked about it before but one is conflict um and then uh, one is like something that's bizarre or out of the ordinary so i would say you know balaji's bit signal kind of uh, tweet and bet is in that box um and then uh third would be impact so anything that has a large impact, you know, maybe the Euler finance hack would be, well, depends how many people were impacted. Could it be just you know, a, a few wallets that had a lot of money? So yeah, impact matters. I would say, for example, the FTX um, collapse was, you know, yeah, basically top of the list in terms of impacting the world. Um, then there's, so that there's um, impact. There's also timeliness. So timing matters. Um you know, when, when like 
for example, right now you're starting to see stories of Bitcoin price hitting 28K. We've been here before, you know, whenever the you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum price goes up or down, you start seeing these market analysis, um, you know, stories. So timeliness matters. So what's trending matters. So um, even, you know, this year, I mean, regulation's been trending. Um, but then in the in the tech space, zero knowledge. Zero knowledge has been around, zero knowledge tech's been around for, you know, years. But it's it just happens to be trending this year because people are, you know, the tech has maybe reached a peak. So I would say even right now, AI is trending. Um, so what's trending makes news. Um, and so what I've gone through five and then the others are uh, prominence. So who you, like, so actually Balaji making this bet, it's because people know who he is and he's got this large following. Uh, but if say, I mean, if I made that bet, no one would care, right? <laughs> It's not like I had also, it's not like I had a million, uh, to, to make a bet. Um, uh, so yeah, who prominence. So who, who is involved in the story matters. Um, and then the seventh is human interest. So the human interest matters. That's what I said. Okay. So that, that's the seven values. So yeah, I'm just going through them, but anyway, the seven, uh, these values. And so human interest is the seventh one where I think people still, people still want to hear real life stories of you know someone's you know someone's life who's been impacted whether it be positively or negatively that's why when you see the new york times or stories that you know uh come out about crypto maybe in the mainstream press they usually have a personal element to it you know um when when the when the peak happened it was like you you saw stories of um a 19 year old who made x million from dogecoin like those kind of stories <laughs> that makes news. So yeah, just something to think about. So yeah, back to this, um, to, so, so back to Balaji's bet, it's, um, yeah, there is a morality to it because it's bizarre. Like people will be like, people think it's, it's crazy. Um, but that's how it got so much attention as well. So yeah, it's, it's how, uh, you play it, but yeah, it sounds ridiculous, but who knows what could happen? I mean, everything's been so unpredictable lately. I've definitely uh, found myself thinking more that it's genius. Like, and it's it's very, it, it's not a surprise because he he's just a, a very smart person. He's one of the few people in the world who I actually believe is smarter than others. It's not just a subject matter expertise that that he's gained over time. Um, he, he is just, that much smarter than folks. And I think that, uh, I think it's still very unlikely that the bet plays out, but he's gotten a lot of attention for it. I would say it's mostly positive in this space. If you, if you sort of analyze it, like what, what negatives could come from it? You're not going to have anyone in the Bitcoin community upset at him for saying that he thinks Bitcoin's going to a million, uh, in the greater crypto space, most people see the markets as being correlated. So there's another positive sort of checked off. You might have a few folks who think it brings, it'll bring unwarranted criticism of the space. I'm definitely somewhere like in the middle. I, I see it as, as uh, what it is. It's, it's a positive. He's brought all this attention uh, on to, or he's brought all of this attention to the idea that crypto, Bitcoin specifically, will be a store of value, uh, safe haven. Uh, in really sort of like uh, remarkably unstable financial conditions. But uh, 
he definitely is getting a lot of negative attention from outside the space. Uh, but when you look at someone like him too, given his net wealth, given how much Bitcoin he likely owns, which is, I'm, I'm guessing he, he either has hundreds of millions, if not over a billion in Bitcoin, you know, you add it all up. And again, it's, it's kind of like a masterclass on, uh, on using PR uh, to, to get the word out about something you believe in. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 good marketing. I mean, his tweet I heard got, you know, a lot of engagement. So the that's why timing also matters. And the timing is brilliant. Like, he said it at a time when, you know, you've just seen, you know, a large, all the large Swiss bank, Credit Suisse, be acquired by UBS um, at a time where the whole market is in chaos. So... The t timing also matters. So that's another lesson to the, know in PR and marketing. Um, yeah, there is a saying, I'm sure you've heard this, where, um, you know, any publicity is good publicity, even though they um, there may be negative um, press. Sometimes it's just the noise and the attention that that um, a, a tweet or a message or a story um, gets. It does help. Uh, it does help bring awareness to it. So, um, again, it depends how you want to play it. Um, and I always think also about, you know, comms and politics, for example, as well. Like, you know, there's no prime, like if you're, you're the prime minister or the president, not everyone's going to like you, you know, there's, there's different parties and, you know, people support different, um, you know, they have their own, uh, you know, beliefs and, and, um, agendas for what they want to push. So yeah, it's it. You're gonna if you're in a position of leadership, and that's also something for founders to know. If you're in a position of leadership and you're a position of power as well, you're gonna get negative, you know, press as well. You just gotta make sure that the positive press is louder than than the negativity you're getting. Well, Samantha, I think this is a great place for us to go ahead and wrap. Uh, thank you, you know, so much for taking the time to, uh, you know, talk us through all these like real life examples and like lessons and frameworks we can apply to PR and crypto. If folks want to learn more about you and your team and, and follow your work, uh, what would you recommend? Yeah, you can um, follow, well, you can follow me on um, Twitter um, at Samantha W. Yap. Uh, and then we've got a, a Twitter account at Yaflowall team. So you can actually see the work we do. And then um, our website, we've got a contact form where um, if you are interested in inquiring in our services, you can fill that out and we'll get back to you uh, shortly. Uh, again, thank you so much. Um, anything else you'd like to share before we go? No, I just want to, um, this is been really great conversation thank you so much DeFi Dad Nomadic for having me um, just want to encourage everyone even in this bear market or you know when this comes out that what you're doing now and, and building your credibility and your comms matters and just to continue sharing about what your project is doing or what you're what you're building um, because you know when the when the next bull run happens it's all going to pay off so just some encouragement on the PR and comms side Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you're building the next great DeFi or Web3 project, please consider reaching out to our team at fourthrevolution.capital. For future episodes of the Edge podcast, please subscribe at our link tree at edge underscore pod.